They're one of the most famous rock bands in music history. One of them even built his own instrument. They got some fantastic advice from the king of pop, Michael Jackson himself. Those and many other things today on our 25 Things series, Queen. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Sean Holmes. And today on the Reactions to the Classics Music Podcast, we have the first in an ongoing series of 25 things. Mainly, this is going to be about artists. Sometimes it'll be about albums. But today on the inaugural edition, we decided we'd start with the royalty queen themselves. So I'm going to tell you 25 things you may or may not know about them. We'll start out with a little background. Queen, obviously, is a British rock band formed in London in 1970. Their classic lineup was Freddie on lead vocals and piano. You got Brian May on guitar, Roger Taylor on drums, and of course, the great John Deacon on bass. Now, estimates of Queen's record sales range from 170 million to 300 million records. That's kind of the way it was done back in the day, boys and girls, where the charts would call in and the record companies would call in and, and record stores would say, we sold this many or that many. It was all recorded on by hand. And yes, occasionally I think embellishment might have happened there. But any way you look at it, they're one of the world's best-selling music artists. They had 15 studio albums, a ton of live and compilation albums. But here's the most interesting part, their timelessness. Now, part of this, of course, is because of the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. But they were the sixth best-selling artist worldwide in 2018 and the fifth best-selling artist in 2019. So those are amazing things for a band that hasn't made any new music at least with that original lineup in two decades. Without further ado, let's get to the first thing about Queen. Roger Taylor and Brian May were in a different band together before Queen. Now, if you've seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, I've seen it. I think it's a fantastic movie. It's one of my daughter's favorite movies. But as there is an all-Hollywood fair, there are some embellishments, some stretches of the truth. So you're going to have to kind of separate what you saw in that movie from reality. So in the movie, you, you did see this if you saw the movie, but May and Taylor were in a band called Smile. Their lead singer and bassist, Tim Stoffel, decided to leave to do other things. Freddie Mercury was a big fan of the band. He ended up becoming a part of the band, pushed them to change their name to Queen, and the rest, as they say, boys and girls, is history. Second thing, these guys are pretty smart. You know, you always get the, the rock bands kind of uh, stereotyped into these guys are just dumb musicians. All they do is drink and take drugs and drive a tour bus around and get on stage, play their concert, and rinse and repeat. But, but Queen was quite different. Roger Taylor was actually on his way to becoming a dentist before he got bored, changed to biology, and has got a college degree in biology. John Deacon is an actual electrical engineer, which I'm going to get into that in a few minutes. He used that uh, very wisely for the band. And Brian May is a PhD-level astrophysicist. He was almost done with his doctorate, had not finished his thesis when Queen blew up big in 1974, and he pushed that to the side, but he actually went back and finished his PhD in 2007 and went on to become the chancellor of Liverpool John Moores University from 2008 to 2013. So if you went to that university during that time, it'd have been pretty cool to go, hey, man, my chancellor is actually the great Brian May. Number three, Freddie himself designed Queen's emblem. 
you wondering about Freddie? Yeah, he had a degree as well. He had a diploma in art and graphic design, and he used that early on for the band's benefit as he designed the famous logo. Now, like any good monarch, Queen has a coat of arms or crest. Despite Freddie saying he himself did not believe in astrology at all, he called it nonsense, he still used the Western star signs of the band as inspiration for the crest. You need to look this up as I'm talking about this because you'll see it. It's a lot easier to to, uh, visualize as I'm describing it. The two lions on either side of the crown are nods to Roger and John because they're both Leos, as as in myself. Uh, The crab is for uh, the cancer Brian May, while the two fairies are stand-ins for the sign Virgo, which was Mercury's sign. Overtaking that entire crest is the phoenix, a mythological bird that's a symbol for the never-ending cycle of life and death. That was later used as a symbol for the Mercury Phoenix Trust, an AIDS charity created by the band following the death of Freddie. Now, one of the most famous things when I think of Queen is their live shows, of course, and Freddie, one of the most charismatic leading men of all time. And and when I think of him, I think of the crazy costumes he'd wear on stage. But then the second thing I think of is that mic stand, right? I've never seen anybody else just have a broke off mic stand. Well, The fourth thing you need to know is that was an accidental invention. In the early days of one of their shows, the microphone stand Freddie was using broke. But instead of finding a new stand, he just held the stub of the stand containing the microphone and kept on singing. It gave him the idea that he could use this from now on and roam around the stage. And he thought it might become his trademark. And as I just mentioned, for me, it uh, definitely is one of his trademarks. Now, I talked about John Deacon earlier being a trained electronics engineer. Well, the fifth thing about Queen is that he built some of their actual instruments. One of the most famous inventions of his is the DC amp. Now, the sixth thing you may not know about Queen is Freddie sung all about, I like to ride my bicycle in the song Bicycle Race, but Freddie himself actually didn't write bicycles at all, said he couldn't stand it. In the same song, there's also a line, I don't like Star Wars, but reality was quite the opposite, as Brian pointed out later that Freddie liked Star Wars quite a lot, guys, the difference between art and reality. Seventh thing is, a song was composed in the bathtub. That's right. Freddie was in a hotel in his bathtub when he got the inspiration to write a song, a tribute about Elvis Presley crazy little thing called love he said he wrote it in less than 10 minutes and it's actually one of my favorite songs of theirs we we've reviewed many of their albums on our youtube channel and we just recently reviewed the game and this was one of the standouts from that particular album we're all ready to number eight brian may's famous guitar the red special or old lady is actually handmade Brian made it with his father, who was an electronics engineer. I guess it's just one of those things that runs in the bloodlines of Queen. Uh, He did this when he was 16. The interesting thing is the wood that it's made of was actually from a 200-year-old wooden mantelpiece. And then they just looked around the house for household items. And some other things that that are utilized in the making of Red Special are the mother of pearl buttons, some other shelf edging, and actually motorbike valve springs. So I couldn't imagine how to make a guitar, but I guess if your dad's an electronics engineer, you're just going to say, son, look around the house. We'll figure this thing out. And uh, it became Brian's trademark and his most famous guitar. Uh, 
Two of their videos were filmed in Roger Taylor's garden. Number nine is the videos for We Will Rock You and Spread Your Wings were filmed in that garden for a couple of reasons. One, convenience, and two, of course, finances. Just do this in your garden, dude. The 10th thing you may not know about Queen is that Michael Jackson once gave them some really great advice. See, originally Queen was not going to release the song Another One Bites of Dust, which is on the game album, and it was written by John Deacon. But when MJ heard the tune backstage at a concert in Los Angeles, he pulled the band aside, especially Freddie, and said, you have got to make this the lead single from that album. You need an anthem. You need something that's catchy. They took the King of Pops advice, and that song became one of their biggest hits worldwide. The 11th thing about Queen is their live aid performance was honed to perfection. Yes, if you've seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody or you were alive like I was during live aid, Queen's performance is the, the seminal performance. It's the one that stands out. And most of the artists that played on that stage, the worldwide audience, it's almost hard to imagine here in 2020 because it wasn't nearly the choice. It's obviously there's no internet, there's no streaming, so you're going to watch whatever's on TV. And Live Aid was just that event that everybody had to see. I remember, actually, we didn't even get MTV back in 1985 on my cable station. So I had to drive to a neighboring town 25 miles away to watch this on a family friend's TV. I just camped out there all day and night. I'm sure in retrospect, they were wondering what is this 14-year-old kid doing here in our living room, and why will he not leave? But I digress. Most of the artists with that kind of worldwide audience were going to play their latest hits or their next single or something off of an upcoming album, but Queen knew that everybody was going to want to see their greatest hit. So that is what they played, but they also practiced and rehearsed what their set, and a lot of other artists didn't do that. They just went out there and winged it. But this performance had a great effect on many bands to come. As a matter of fact, Foo Fighter frontman and of course former Nirvana member Dave Grohl has said, quote, every band should study Queen at Live Aid. If you really feel like that barrier is gone, you become Freddie Mercury. I consider him the greatest frontman of all time. High praise from a guy who is a great frontman himself, Mr. Grohl. Number 12, they hold a number of Guinness World Records. They hold the title for the world's longest-running fan club for a rock group. It's been running since 1973, and obviously they'll hold that record for as long as that fan club stays open. And I know those things aren't a big thing as we sit in 2020, but when I was a kid growing up in the late 70s and 80s, fan clubs were a big thing. It was kind of your calling card of, I'm not just a fan, man. I'm a super fan. I'm a card-carrying member of that fan club. They also have a Guinness Book of World Record for the UK's favorite hit of all time with Bohemian Rhapsody. And their albums have spent the most time on the UK albums chart they, for over 1,300 weeks or 26 years. 13th fact about Queen, Freddie Mercury, at least according to Freddie, was a brilliant boxer. See, early in his life when he was in, at school in India, he was a pretty good table tennis player. He used to enjoy playing tennis at times. He said he also liked to watch rugby, but football, or as us Americans know it, soccer and cricket did nothing for him. He said, I quote, I loathe cricket and long-distance running. Freddie, I'm right there with you on that long-distance running. He said, I was completely useless at both, but I could sprint, 
I was good at hockey, and I was just brilliant in the boxing ring, he revealed. And really, when you think about it and the performance and the way he moved on a stage, you could see it with the sprinting, and you could see it with the boxing because you have to have outstanding coordination and, in particular, hand and foot coordination to excel at boxing. And Freddie definitely showed that in his outstanding performances from the stage. Another thing about Freddie, number 14, he didn't require much sleep. He said he could survive on little shut-eye, even though, obviously, he pushed himself harder in his professional life and, at times, in his personal life. He said, one time, I can go without sleep for long periods. That's my nature. I can get by on just two or three hours a night. I don't know what it is, but it's true. I wish I could tell you. I relax in ways most people can't understand by just sleeping on a plane when I'm flying for 20 minutes. That's enough for me. I recharge my batteries in that shorter time, and I'm up again. I have to be doing something every day. And for a period of time there, Freddie just put out a tremendous amount of material. So you can kind of see that. But, of course, with those types of things, sooner or later that has a shelf life, and we all burn out. One of the most interesting things I came across in research for this, this podcast is the 15th thing about Queen. Another thing about Mr. Mercury himself he didn't get along with Sid Vicious. See, back in 1977, Queen was recording parts of the News of the World album in London. Freddie said that two members of the Sex Pistols were in the studio next door. He said, you can imagine us and the whole punk rock and anti-establishment thing under one roof. Anyway, I got Johnny Rotten and Sid Vicious in to listen to one of our tracks, and I said that I would sing on one of their songs if they sang on one of mine, and you should have seen them. They were like, we can't sing with Freddie Mercury. Freddie said I was wearing ballet pumps at the time and things like that. It was quite funny. He said, I called Sid Vicious Simon Ferocious or something like that, and he didn't like it at all. I said, what are you going to do about it? He had all these marks on him, so I asked him if he had scratched himself in the mirror, and he hated the fact that I could speak to him like that. What a hilarious story. And I mean, at the time, Queen was one of the biggest bands in the world, and the Sex Pistols at that point were not. So what was Sid really going to say? And Freddie knew it. One more fact about Freddie, number 16, was actually asked to star on Broadway with Linda Ronstadt. See, Freddie loved going to theater, ballet, and opera, but that didn't mean he wanted to take part in them. He said, I could never do a season in theater as it were. I would run out. They asked me to do Broadway once, a show with Linda Ronstadt, and I thought, you're kidding. It's totally off tangent, but they asked me to do it. They thought I could sing operatically. The first thing that came into my mind was that I can't do matinees, and they don't realize that I can't sing for six or seven days a week on the same stage. I'd be bored to death. Number 17, their first U.S. tour did not go as planned. See, a month into their first U.S. tour, they were opening for Mott the Hoople, and in May of 1974, Brian May actually collapsed and was diagnosed with hepatitis, forcing the cancellation of their remaining dates. But as we know, they went on to become one of the greatest performing bands of all time. Number 18, they have the best-selling album in UK charts history. The band's first compilation album, titled Greatest Hits, released in 1981, has sold over 6.5 million copies in the UK and has spent over 450 weeks in the UK album chart. And boys and girls, unless something changes, that's one of those records that's never going to be broken for the simple fact that music industry is done in a different way. We consume music differently. 
we go to our phones or our devices for most of us and we hook up Spotify or Apple Music and we listen to what we want to listen to. And in that, the charts record that in a much different way than when we used to go to record stores and buy vinyl or cassettes or CDs. And now we're back to vinyl again. But album sales are just, they're just a tiny percent of what they once were. So that is a record I feel pretty confident in saying unless something drastically changes over the next 50 years is a record that Queen is going to have forever. Number 19, Freddie wasn't confident in his piano skills. Once again, if you've seen that Live Aid performance or seen the wonderful recreation of it in Bohemian Rhapsody movie, it would look like Freddie could really play that piano, but he wasn't confident in every time they played Bohemian Rhapsody Live. He said he would get nervous and worry about it. So you don't really view Freddie once he's on that stage and flips that switch as someone who would be worried about anything. But it just goes to show you, no matter how skilled or accomplished or famous you are, we all still have those things that, uh, that we aren't too confident about. Number 20, Freddie Mercury was generous to the end. In his will, Freddie is said to have left 500 pounds to his personal chef, 500 pounds to his personal assistant, and 100 pounds to his driver. So it just goes to show Freddie did not forget about the people who served him even when his life ended. Number 21, Roger Taylor almost never joined Queen. See, before he joined Queen to become their drummer, he had actually rehearsed and was offered the job with another band, a famous band, Genesis. He turned it down, decided to go to Queen, and Genesis actually went with someone who uh, eventually became quite famous in his own right, Mr. Phil Collins. Phil Collins never goes to Genesis if Roger Taylor takes that job. And Phil Collins is one of only three artists to sell 100 million albums as a solo act and as a group act. So what a crazy fact that is. Number 22, the Marx Brothers had an influence on them. The 1975 album, A Night at the Opera, follow-up, the 1976 album, A Day at the Races, have a link. Both of these album names are based on Marx Brothers silent films from 1935 and 1937, and, and both of those are actually quite good albums. You can look for those reviews on our YouTube channel, Reactions to the Classics. Number 23. This is one of those that I mentioned earlier. You really have to separate art from reality, because if you watch the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, a big storyline was Freddie knowing he had AIDS, and they went out at Live Aid and played the, the most fantastic show on the entire concert lineup. But Freddie actually didn't know he had AIDS at Live Aid. He actually discovered this sometime in 1986 or 1987. There's some contention on when he knew the exact date, but it is a fact for sure. He did not know he had AIDS when they played Live Aid. Number 24, John Deacon was not the original bass player. He was the fourth bassist they tried, and he did not enter the picture until 1971. So he was there early on. He's on every album, but he was not their first, second, or third bass player. And now we're to number 25. The final thing on this lineup, although I could have done 100 things you didn't know about Queen, and there'll probably be an episode to 25 more things somewhere down the line. In 2003, Queen became the first band rather than just individual, to be inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And so the only group in history to have every member compose more than one chart-topping single. They're also inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a couple of years earlier in 2001. 
that is something that Queen does not get credit for. There's the diversity of songwriting talent that they had. It is an amazing thing that all four pinned more than one number one song, hard enough to pin one in itself. So that's just one of those things that really speaks to their greatness. So there you have it, boys and girls, the 25 things about Queen. Some of them I'm sure some of you super fans knew. I hope I found a couple things that even the greatest Queen fans and most fervent ones did not know. Well, this was the first of many uh, in the 25 things series. Next up is going to be David Bowie, and I want to encourage you to tune in for that one because Mr. Bowie has some very interesting things that happened to him in his life. Well, everybody, that's going to do it for another episode of the Reactions to the Classics Music Podcast. As always, we appreciate you joining us. When you get an opportunity, hit that subscribe button on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, when you get time, if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that'll help us out more than you can imagine. Check out our YouTube channel if you haven't yet. I'll put a link in the episode description. As always, if you want to reach me directly, you can hit me up at rttcyt at gmail.com. I promise to answer each and every one of those. We'll be dropping new episodes every Friday. Until then, stay safe, my friend.